0: If you are searching for a podcast about crime, relating to actual life events of military personnel, veterans, family members, and anyone associated to the military in any way, then you've come to the right place. I'd like to introduce you to Military True Crime Addict Podcast. Here, they explore a plethora of actual true crime stories that have not been reported on by news outlets or the media. Stories that once you hear, you'll be astounded by. Such history should have been told and reported on long ago. On Military True Crime Addict Podcast, there are detailed stories on topics such as serial killers who were in the military, stolen valour, assault, harassment, sexual preference, abuse of power, murder, hazing, rape. All stories relate some way to the military, veterans and their extended families. On this podcast, they provide a voice to the victims and you hear their side of the story and it raises awareness of the heinous crimes to fight for those most impacted. You do not need to know anything about the military to enjoy this podcast. On Military True Crime Addict Podcast, you will hear original true crime stories with precise dates and the specifics of what occurred. Military True Crime Addict Podcast Listen on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. Hit subscribe and leave a review. You will not be disappointed. That's Military True Crime Addict Podcast. And now on with this week's episode. It is always frightening when the person vanishes, and law enforcement always looks at the circumstances surrounding the disappearance in their investigation. There are quite a few cases where someone disappears while under the influence, Heck, it sparked a whole urban legend in the smiley Face killer. Alcohol slows down the brain, leading not only to the body's delay responses, but also to more risky behaviours, a dangerous combination. A person who goes missing under the influence of alcohol makes them more vulnerable to potential predators and less aware of potential surrounding dangers. Despite all of this, many of these cases do not always get the attention they deserve because of the stigma of addiction and the idea that the person may be just out partying. Missing under the influence, this week on Mysteriously Listed. Number 4. Christina Whittaker on November 13, 2019, 21year-old Christina Whitaker went out drinking with some friends at Rookie Sports Bar on the 600 block of Broadway in Hannibal, Missouri. At about 10:30 that night, Christina did call her boyfriend, Travis Blackwell, who she was living with at the time, along with her six-month-old daughter. Travis was not the baby’s father but she called him to let him know that she had a ride home that night and for him not to worry. That she would be home around midnight and would bring him home some food from a restaurant. Over the course of the next hour, according to reports, Christina would become intoxicated. Christina was also on psychiatric medication for bipolar, which may have increased the effects of the alcohol. Regardless, because of her drunkenness and her harassing other bar patrons, the bartender asked Christina to leave. Because of this, she asked her friends for a ride home. They all declined. They weren't ready to leave yet. It wasn't even midnight. Christina would go to the premises next door, the River City Billards and she would begin asking acquaintances as well as complete strangers for a ride home, but no one would. Christina would later be reported being seen leaving River City Billards in tears. The next morning, Christina had not returned home, so Travis had to call in sick from work to continue watching her daughter. He wasn't initially concerned, but when it got to that night and she still wasn't home, Travis called her mother, Cindy, young. This is when alarm bells started going off. Cindy and Christina were super close and would talk to each other every day. Cindy would report Christina missing the following morning, November 15th. Police started the search for Christina. The Northeast Missouri Canine Search and Rescue Team were involved, and they tracked Christina's scent south of the bar where it abruptly stopped. Christina's phone was found on 7th Street, just several blocks away from the bar she was at, in the opposite direction of the Mississippi River. This came to the relief of her family, as Christina did discuss suicidal feelings on the night she went missing. It is not believed that Christina left on her own accord. While it is Cindy's belief that Christina may have been struggling with postpartum depression, she absolutely adored her baby daughter. Christina also had some legal troubles for driving with a suspended licence. Cindy is adamant Christina was eager to clear her name though, and she wouldn't run away because of this. Christina never showed for her court appearance, and because of this, there is currently a warrant out for her arrest. Christina's boyfriend Travis has been interviewed and has reportedly passed polygraph tests administrated by the Hannibal Police Department. Cindy has been quoted as saying that she is disheartened at rumours that Travis is involved, as she does not believe it for a second. That Travis is still in regular contact with her to make sure she and Christina's daughter are okay. Ultimately, Cindy believes Christina may have been sold into sex trafficking, that she was naive and easily manipulated, and this may have made her a target. This theory has been supported by some possible sightings of Christina in the weeks after her disappearance. A waitress would later report to police seeing who she thought was Christina in late November 2009 in central Illinois that despite this woman having dyed black or brown hair, she was 100% sure it was Christina. This woman was wearing a pink t-shirt and black pants, but no coat despite the cold weather. This woman seemed shook up, and kept looking over her shoulder as if someone was after her. This woman asked the waitress if she could use the phone, and made a quick phone call, but there was apparently no answer. Now this person would later call the cafe back, returning the missed call, and they were confused as they did not know a woman matching the description of the woman in the cafe. Cindy continues to advocate for Christina and visits this area regularly, handing out missing persons posters to make sure her daughter is not forgotten. Christina Whittaker was 21 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was 5 foot 6 and 130 pounds, with auburn hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing a white T-shirt, a pink tank top, jeans and pink and white Nike sneakers. If Christina is still alive today, she would be 32 years old. Number 3. Sheila Morton. Family and friends of 32-year-old Sheila Morton would recall a drastic change in her behaviour leading up to her disappearance in June of 2014. She had quit her job of seven years at Logan's Roadhouse, she moved homes, she purchased a 9mm handgun, and begun hanging out with old friends. Sheila had a troubled past with alcohol and drug abuse, and these friends were part of this troubled past. June 2nd, 2014, Huntington, Texas. Sheila was living with her ex-boyfriend Tim, who was also the father of her three-year-old son Hayden. Sheila had been drinking heavily that day and was very intoxicated when the pair had gotten into a verbal argument. Because of this, she wanted to leave with Hayden, but obviously Tim refused. He threatened to call the police Sheila went outside, but when Tim went to check on her, she was gone with her wallet and phone. Her car, car keys and bag were left in the driveway. Initially, Tim was not concerned. He assumed that someone came to pick Sheila up, or maybe she went for a walk to the store. Because of this, and because of Sheila's recent erratic behaviours, she was not reported missing for two weeks. Early September 2014, road workers mowing the median of US-69, just north of Wells, they found a decomposed body of a female. It was determined she had been there for about a month, if not longer. She was found fully clothed and in the fetal position. It would take two weeks before Sheila's family were notified of the results of the DNA testing. This woman was not their daughter. Police have publicly stated that they have a person of interest in Sheila's disappearance, but they will not reveal who he is to protect their investigation. But they have admitted that they believe foul play is involved. This may have been someone Sheila was afraid of, hence the handgun purchase. However, this gun was found left in the home. Tim did hand over the gun to the police as potential evidence in Sheila's case. Or perhaps it was perceived paranoia. Sheila was taken medication, and when not taken correctly, she wasn't rational, and may be a danger to herself. Sheila Morton was 32 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was 4 foot 11, 140 pounds, with recently dyed red hair and brown eyes. If Sheila is still alive today, she would be 39 years old. Number 2. Miguel Sonny Scott. 19 year old Miguel was desperately needing a fun night with his friends. The last few weeks had been rough. He'd recently been in an accident, which broke his jaw so bad that it was wired shut and he had difficulty talking. Miguel needed to let some steam out, so on the night of October 27th, 2011, he met his friends at the Evergreen Rotary Park in Birmingham, Washington, for a night of drinking and hijinks. When Miguel was not home the following morning, his family were not initially concerned. He had previously gone off alone for several days at a time. However, he had a doctor's appointment on the Monday for his broken jaw. His mother was sure he would return for that, Unfortunately, Miguel was never seen again. There are several theories as to what may have happened to Miguel. There are rumours he may have owed money to someone and left on his own accord due to fear. Miguel would post on Facebook every day, sometimes several times a day. But he hasn't posted since he went missing. These rumours have never been substantiated. What does not support this – is that neither his bank account nor cell phone has ever been accessed. Another theory is that he got drunk. Maybe the alcohol affected him more quickly because of the opiate pain medication he was taking for his jaw. But maybe he got drunk, became disorientated, and fell in the nearby inlet. Or along the same line of thinking, maybe he was experimenting with drugs and overdosed, because he was already taking opiates. His friends panicked and disposed of him. It is not known if Miguel's friends have ever been interviewed by police. Miguel had plans to join the Navy after he finished school. His family is adamant that he would never leave this long without letting them know he was okay. Because of this, there is concerns for his safety. Miguel's case remains opened and unsolved. Miguel Sonny Scott was 19 years old at the time of his disappearance. He is of Asian appearance, 5 foot 10 and 116 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing a white sweater, blue jeans, sneakers, a black baseball cap and a red cross necklace. If Miguel is still alive today, he would be 29 years old. Number 1. Courtney Stauffer July 29, 2012. 21-year-old Courtney Stauffer and her boyfriend Bradley were having a party at their apartment that they shared in Pennsylvania. Around 9pm, police arrived at the apartment after reports of underage drinking. Bradley was already on probation and on house arrest for a DUI, And being 20, he was also underaged and under the influence, so he was arrested. Courtney would blame the neighbours for this. She believed it was the neighbours who called the police due to some earlier altercations with them. Her friends wanting to defuse the situation, they convinced Courtney to go to the local bar with them in Harrisburg. More alcohol just seemed to fuel Courtney's anger – She was kicked out of the bar after getting into a screaming match with another couple. Courtney would go back to her apartment with another friend, Cody Pruitt. By the time they got back to the apartment, Courtney's anger only seemed to have increased further. Courtney wanted to have an argument with her neighbours, in particular Todd Saxet, who lived in the apartment below Courtney and Bradley. Eyewitnesses would later report to police that Courtney and Todd were standing chest to chest and screaming at each other. The police were called for a second time, arriving around 3am. The police would stay for an hour, until everyone went back to their respective apartments. However, it would only be half an hour after that, at around 4.30, that Todd would call the police again, to report Courtney and Cody allegedly deliberately stomping on the apartment above him. When the police arrived, the lights in Courtney's apartment were off and it was quiet. Assuming the situation had calmed itself, they did not knock on Courtney's apartment door. They did go to talk to Todd, but there was no answer. The following morning, Cody would later report waking at 7.30am to an empty apartment. Courtney was nowhere to be found. She has never been seen since. Police have not named any suspects or persons of interest in her disappearance. There are no signs of a struggle in the apartment. Being the last person to see Courtney alive, Cody was questioned thoroughly by the police, but they have since stated he is not considered involved in her disappearance. Courtney Staffer was 21 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was 5 foot 8, 110 pounds, with blonde hair and green eyes. She was last seen wearing a yellow tank top, black floral paint or fluorescent paint sputtered shorts, a silver class ring, and a diamond wedding ring. If Courtney is still alive today, she would be almost 30 years old. Do you have something you would like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Message us on Facebook at Mysteriously Listed and on Twitter at Mysterious List. If you like what you've heard today, we would love for you to share this episode on your social media of choice. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you could leave a positive review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Research, additional writing and hosting is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu.